You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. We need more of the Bible. We need more preaching. We need more uh, Christian teaching and Christian living. And we need more Christians that will be sold out for God. So anyway, just keep that in mind. We're going through a series on Sunday nights. And uh, we'll probably uh, take a, we took a break last Sunday. And we'll probably take a break again with Brother Fry. We'll see how that goes. But I want to talk to us and I want to share some thoughts on how we can get triumph over a troubled life. Remember, we talked about Herod a few weeks ago and how Herod was troubled when he heard that those wise men came searching for a king. And Herod was troubled. And we said, really the root of that was his pride. And you know, sometimes we get agitated and we get all worked up. And many times we could find the answer if we would look in the mirror. And we'd realize that the problem is not everybody else. Many times the problem is us. And that's, that's hard to admit because it's so much more fun to blame everybody else at work at home, in your neighborhood, uh, in our community, uh, in our nation, in a church. It is so easy to blame everybody else and not take responsibility. And that's pride. We talked about uh, Pharaoh and how uh, he was troubled when he had a dream, but he didn't know the interpretation. He had a fear of the unknown. And I'll tell you, there are some things that are going on in our world that I think if we had a clue what was really going on, I think we would be scared to death. Can I tell you, there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of things we don't have figured out, and it's easy to be fearful, but can I tell you, you don't have to uh, be troubled with fear, but you and I can have triumph. We can have victory. goes along with our theme for the year, more than conquerors. Tonight, I'd like to speak to us on the subject of of, of triumph over a troubled life when it comes to burdens and pressures. Would you notice with me again in verse number eight, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse eight, we are troubled on every side. That word troubled there is an interesting word. It literally means to be hard pressed. Have you ever felt like you were under pressure and it was from every angle. Have you ever felt like you were under pressure at work and you were under pressure at home and you were under pressure at church and you were under pressure with the finances and you were under pressure with the health and you were under pressure with uh, relationships and you were under pressure with this, that? It just seemed like every time you turned around, there was pressure. We all have pressures. Uh, we all have burdens. I don't want you to write it down. I don't want you to call it out out loud. But I want you in your mind, I want you to think about maybe two or three. Right now, if we were to say these are the, the, the greatest pressures that I'm facing in my life right now. Don't say it out loud. Don't turn it into me on a card and all that. But I want you to think about it. Because I'd like to talk to us and I'd like to challenge us tonight on how we can have triumph over a troubled life and how we can have victory even in the midst of burdens and pressures. Lord, I pray you'd help us and I pray that you'd speak to our hearts and show us exactly 
what we need from the Word of God tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We all have burdens. We all have struggles. We all have difficulties. We all have pressures. I asked you to think of a couple in your mind, and I don't know what your list was in your mind, but maybe your pressure is your schedule. Um, I, I, have a, I have a full schedule. I have a busy schedule. Um, my schedule as a pastor, it seems like it is, uh, it's just, it, it just doesn't stop. And it's just, there's always something. Uh, I've had people say, well, why don't you take a day off? Or why don't you go on vacation? We do, we go on vacation. But you know what's amazing? It seems like the phone calls and the text messages and the emails and all those things, they don't stop. And I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that, hey, that, that's my job. That's my responsibility. I'm a pastor. And I've, I always tell my staff, I say, I want to know when things are going on. And I want you to let me know. And I want to know how I can pray. And I want to know how I can help. So the answer is not to just get rid of all your responsibilities. The answer is to deal with it. The answer is to figure out how we can get victory even with pressures. Maybe your pressure is your schedule. Uh, maybe you have a boss who is unrealistic. Maybe you have a boss that wants you there at 6 a.m. and doesn't want you going home till uh, 10 p.m. and wants you to work Saturdays and wants you to work uh, Sundays. And it's just, maybe it's out of control. Or maybe your boss, maybe it's not the hours. The boss says, oh, no, uh, you've got this many hours, but you've got to get this amount of work done. I don't know how it is at, at your job, but I know a lot of places when someone retires or when someone quits, they don't replace them anymore. They just pile the workload on the rest of the people that are still there. And, and maybe you're feeling that pressure right now. Maybe your pressure is your finances. Uh, maybe it's bills that are mounting up. Or maybe it's savings accounts or checking accounts that are dwindling. Uh, maybe it's trying to figure out how is this income going to take care of all of the bills and all of the responsibilities. Maybe it's your health. I know so many people, especially in these days, are, are so pressured because of their health. Uh, it's medication or it's rehab or it's uh, therapy or it's a surgery that needs to take place and maybe it's been put off and maybe you're not sure whether or not you should have the surgery. Maybe your pressure right now is a relationship. Uh, maybe it's a friend. Uh, maybe it's a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or maybe it's a spouse, or maybe it's a child, but whatever the need is, maybe there is some serious pressure in that relationship. Maybe for some, and uh, a lot of our, our children just went out, but a lot of the students are getting ready to start school again tomorrow, but maybe your pressure is your, your schoolwork. Maybe your pressure is the assignments and the projects that you have, and, uh, and, and, and you know, teachers... Teachers never understand that they're not the only one. You know, teachers think that they can just pile on the work and they don't realize there's about five or six other teachers doing the same thing. And uh, how many of you ever had a teacher like that? Anybody ever have a teacher like that? Yeah, a lot of you did. We're going to deal with bitterness next week because I'm the first one that needs that. Um, we had some teachers in college and I'm telling you what, it was their mission to see if they could have the most assignments and the most projects and the most uh, papers to assign. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm getting over that. I'm, I'm doing a lot of uh, counsel and therapy and I'm getting through that. 
But maybe it's um, a pressure with a school. Maybe it's because of virtual and all the pressures with that. Maybe your pressure is um, a vehicle that is not running. Uh, maybe your pressure is something at the house that is breaking down. Maybe you've got a roof that's leaking. Or maybe uh, you've got some issues, and, and that's a pressure for you. You know, what's amazing is sometimes what is a huge pressure to one person may not be a huge pressure to somebody else. We're all different, but we all face pressures. I'm not here tonight just to talk about our problems, but I do want us to be thinking about them. I want us to identify some because I want you to see what the Bible has to say about the pressures that we face. Number one, I want you to see in verse number one that although we all have burdens, and although we all have pressures, it says we're pressed on every side. And verse number eight, we're troubled on every side, excuse me, means to be pressed from every direction. Verse number one says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. Now think about this. We just talked about all the, the burdens and all the pressures. But you know what verse one talks about? It doesn't talk about all the burdens and the problems of life it talks about the blessing. And you know what the blessing is? The blessing is that we were shown mercy. The blessing is that God saved our sin-sick soul. And the blessing is that we didn't deserve it, but God showed us his mercy. And when he showed us his mercy, he then gave us a ministry. You say, well, what's my ministry? I'm glad you asked. Your ministry, my ministry is to serve the King of Kings and Lord of Lords our ministry. It is our reasonable service. It just makes sense to serve God after we've been shown mercy to take the gospel to somebody, to share the good news with somebody, to be a witness to somebody that needs Christ. And we have, number one, a task. We have a ministry. And you can look at it as a burden or you can look at it as a blessing. I choose to look at it as a blessing. I'm glad I get to serve God. It sure beats serving the devil, I'll promise you that. I'll tell you one thing, you say, well, what are we getting out of it? Well, you're getting a lot out of it. God blesses us and he daily loadeth us with benefits. But if we got nothing down here, I'm glad to tell you, we've got eternal life in heaven. We've got a mansion. We've got a crown that's waiting. We have eternal life where there's no more sorrow and no more sickness and no more pain. And I'm glad that I get to serve God. I'm glad that I have been given. And I'm glad you have been given. If you're saved, you've been given a ministry to serve God. What a privilege. Joshua said it like this. Choose you this day whom you will serve. You're going to serve somebody. You're going you're gonna to live your life for something. You might as well live your life for Jesus. You might as well live for something that is worthwhile. Notice verse number five. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus, the Lord. He's the one we're preaching. He's the one we're sharing. He's the one we're telling everybody about. And we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. Everything we do, we are serving people for Jesus' sake, we are serving for him and him alone. Number one, we have a task. Don't forget, don't forget the most important thing in your life. Yes, we've got pressures. Yes, we've got bills. Yes, we've got burdens. Yes, we've got uh, responsibilities. But the most important thing in your life, most important thing in my life is pleasing God. That's number one. And if a man's ways please the Lord, the Bible says he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. 
If you'll get your relationship right with the Lord, it's amazing how all the other relationships fall into place. But it's amazing when we're not right with the Lord. It's amazing how relationships crumble. And it's amazing how uh, uh, strife and, and discord and, and, and arguments and all those things begin to fester up. And the reason is because we're not walking with God like we should be and we're not pleasing God and it causes every other relationship to be affected. Number one, we have a task, a ministry. Number two, we have the truth. <laughs> Hallelujah for that. Verse number two, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, not handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. We have the truth. Notice verse number five. What do we do with the truth? Do we keep it? Do we hide it? Do we save it? Do we get, get, uh, 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 get to where uh, we don't want anybody else to have it because you know we're better than everybody else? Oh, no. We have the truth and the reason we've been given the truth is to preach it and to teach it and to share it and to give it and to spread it. We have the truth and we must preach the truth. Verse number five, we preach not ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus, the Lord. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. Jesus is the truth. And I'm glad that we don't have to uh, wonder what's true today. And what's going to be true tomorrow? I love what the choir saying. Uh, Jesus is still the answer. He's always been and he always will be. Uh, some of you with your jobs, I don't, I don't know how you do it, but you constantly have to keep up with new regulations and you have to keep up with uh, 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 new, um, new, new codes and new laws and new this and new training and new certification. And it's always, always changing. And the laws are always changing and, and, and the, the, the tax laws are always changing and the construction uh, codes and all that's always changing. But I got good news for you. When you and I, when we get in this book right here and we soak up the truth of God's word, it never ever changes. It is true. It has been true. It always will be true. We have the truth. Hallelujah for the truth. Number three, we have a treasure. Notice in verse number seven, it says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Verse seven, we have a treasure and praise God for the treasure of the gospel. You see, the gospel is more valuable uh, than all the riches in the world. It's more valuable than all the gold and all the silver and all the stocks and all the bonds. It is more valuable than the, the, the biggest 401ks. It's more valuable than the, 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 the retirement homes and the retirement properties. It's more valuable than any other treasure because it is eternal. And this treasure has been entrusted to us. But notice this. Paul makes it very clear under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to say that this treasure that is more valuable than anything in the whole world, this treasure has been entrusted to earthen vessels. You know what's true about earthen vessels? They're not very spectacular. And they're not very pretty. And they don't last very long. And the reason for that is because the vessel 
is not what's so important, but it's what's inside the vessel. The treasure is what is important. And we have been given a treasure. And the purpose that we are entrusted with this treasure and it's been put into earthly vessels is so that we and everyone else would realize that it's not about us. You know, when we share the gospel with somebody, and I hope we do share the gospel with people, but can I tell you, I've given what I consider to be the best presentations of the gospel, and I've had people say, no thanks, not today. And I'm thinking, you gotta be kidding me. Why wouldn't you want to receive this? And I felt pretty confident in the presentation that I gave. I've given some other presentations where I was confused when I got done. And I'm thinking, wow, I just blew that one. And I'll get to the end and I'll say, uh, you know, what do you think? And they're jumping in saying, I want to do that. I want to get saved. And you know what that reminds us? It reminds us that it's not about us. It reminds us that it's all about the treasure of the gospel. And we have been entrusted with that treasure. And it's so that we would all know that it's not because of us. And it's not our glory. It's not our power. But it's that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We have a treasure. But then I want you to notice verse number four. We have trouble. You say, well, how could we have trouble? We have a task. We have a ministry. And and we've been given truth. And we've got the treasure of the gospel. So... How could we have trouble? Well, the Apostle Paul had trouble. I'd say he was a pretty good guy. I'd say he was a pretty good Christian. But Paul said in verse number eight to the church at Corinth, he said, we are troubled on every side. We have trouble. Notice chapter seven of 2 Corinthians, chapter seven and verse number five. Paul said, for when we were coming to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever felt like you were so tired and you didn't see rest coming inside and and then finally you got a day, you thought, I'm going to rest this day and that day was busier than all the other days were and you think, man, I am worn out. Paul said we had no rest uh, for our flesh and we were troubled on every side and then he takes it a step further. He says without, he said on the outside, there was fighting going on and on the inside, there were fears. Paul said, I'm just going to be honest with you. He said, there was a battle going on outside the walls and there was a battle going on outside the door. And he said, and and inside I should have had confidence and I should have trusted God. But he said, honestly, on the inside, I was scared to death. That ought to make you feel good knowing that the apostle Paul felt like that. And if the apostle Paul would feel like that, there'd be times where you and I will feel like that, but there will be trouble. There were battles on the outside and fears on the inside. He goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 8, and he says, we, were, we are troubled on every side. That means to be hard-pressed, to be under pressure. Do you ever feel like every way you turn, it seems like there's trouble? He says in verse number 8, we are perplexed. That word perplexed, it has the idea of being in a tight spot and there's no escape. There's no way out. Maybe that's you tonight. Maybe you feel like you are in a tight spot. Uh, maybe, you, uh, maybe you committed to something. <laughs> I've done that before. Anybody ever committed to something after you committed to it? You said, what did I just do? 
I just got myself in way over my head and I'm stuck now. And maybe that's you. You're in a tight spot. Seems like there's no way out. Paul said we're perplexed. But then he said this, we're persecuted. The word persecuted, it means to be, literally to be pursued after or to be chased. You ever feel like you're so tired that you can't take another step, but you feel like you got somebody that's chasing you? Uh, and hopefully not literally, but you got somebody that's chasing after you and it just seems like you just can't get away. Then he says this, he says in verse number nine, he said, we're persecuted. And then he says, we are cast down. That word cast down, it literally means to be thrown to the ground. I hope you haven't had someone physically do that to you recently, but maybe emotionally you have. Or maybe you're here spiritually and you feel like you have just been thrown to the ground and you just you feel like you're, you're sore and you feel like you're beat up and you just feel like you can't go on. Paul experienced these things. He was troubled on every side. He was perplexed one time. He was in such a tight spot that they had to let him out of the city over a wall in a basket just so the people wouldn't kill him. Paul was persecuted. He knew something about being persecuted and chased. And if he didn't keep running, they would kill him. Paul knew what it was like to be cast down. As a matter of fact, there was a time where they stoned Paul and left him for dead. And they thought he was dead, and he probably was. But God wasn't done with him. You see, Paul had trouble. We all have trouble. Paul had a task. He had a, the truth. He had a treasure, but he still had trouble. So how do we handle the troubles and the pressures of life? Number five, lastly, I want you to see, we can have triumph over the troubles. Now, I read verses uh, eight and nine, but I didn't read all of the verse. You see, in verse number eight, it says, we are troubled on every side, yet we are not distressed. That word troubled, it means hard pressed, but he says, but we're not distressed. That word means crushed. So here's the good news. Paul said, we got a lot of pressure, but that pressure can't crush us. That pressure cannot destroy us. That pressure, it might be hard, but we can have victory and we are not gonna be crushed. We're gonna keep on going because we've got a task and we're gonna keep on going because we've got the truth and we're gonna keep on going because we've got a treasure. He said, we may be hard pressed, but we're not crushed. I think about, I'll give you a couple sports here real quickly. I think about the sport of wrestling. And I like to use these sports illustrations for this passage. It's like wrestling. I did not wrestle in high school. Uh, Brother Dan did. I wouldn't recommend that you mess with him. Uh, he will hurt you. And, uh, and besides being a police officer, he will hurt you with his weapons. He'll hurt you uh, uh, with his body. He'll just hurt you. He'll just make your life miserable. But if, if you're wrestling and you may be pressed, but it's not over until you get pinned. Can I tell you, you may feel like your shoulders are against the mat and you may feel like the pressure of the whole world is on you. But can I remind you, as we preach this morning, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And you may be pressed, but you're not pinned. I think about this next word, perplexed. That word perplexed, it means to, be, to have no way out, to have no escape, to be in a tight spot. It says we are perplexed, but we are not in despair. That word despair, it means to be at an utter loss, to renounce all hope. 
Paul said, it seems like there's no way out, but we have not lost hope. We have not given up. It seems like there's nowhere to go, but God always makes a way. How about this? I don't know if you like to watch football. I remember I used to play football. I didn't play organized, but we'd play at uh, a recess and we'd play at PE and we'd always do uh, two-hand touch. But boy, I tell you that two-hand touch, it's amazing how rough you can get two-hand touch. You know, you just kind of, oh, sorry about that. Or, oh, sorry as you tackle somebody. But you ever, you ever watch a football game and it's amazing now with all the different camera angles and high definition and screens and all that, but they'll show a play and they'll show a running back or they'll show a fullback and it looks like that running back has nowhere to go. And somehow at the last minute, there's an opening in the line and that running back, not only, not only does he not lose yardage, not only does he get to the line of scrimmage, but he advances for a first down or he advances for a touchdown and everyone is scratching their heads saying, wait a minute, there was nowhere for him to go and somehow he got through. Can I tell you, that's how God works. God specializes in the impossible. And you may feel like there's no way and you may feel like you're in a tight spot and you may feel like there's no escape, but God is faithful who will not suffer to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God always makes a way. Hallelujah for that. Oh, man, I don't know if you're enjoying this, but I am. Persecuted, Paul said. We're, we're, we're pursued, we're chased. We got somebody that's coming after us and they want to kill us. He said, we are persecuted, verse nine, but we're not forsaken. That word forsaken, it means to be abandoned. We may have an enemy that's chasing after us, but we've got a God in heaven who has not forsaken us. And we may have an enemy that's pretty strong and pretty tough, but we've got a God who is greater than any enemy and we have not been abandoned by God. You may feel like your friends have abandoned you. You may feel like your family has abandoned you. You may feel like the people in this life that were the closest to you, you may feel like they're nowhere to be found and maybe they're there, but maybe they're not really there. Maybe they're, they're present, but they're, they're detached. And you may feel like there's nobody that cares about you, but I got news for you. God will never leave you and he'll never forsake you. You've never been abandoned by God. You say, what's the sport to illustrate this? Well, it's, it's a, it's a sport that it's, uh, it's pretty complex and it's pretty sophisticated. You may not understand it. You may not know much about it, but it's called tag. And when you play the game of tag, you got the person who is it. They're chasing after you and you got to get to base. And if you get to base, you're safe. Can I tell you, when you get to God, you're safe. When you run to God, when you make a beeline to get to the throne of grace, you are safe and you are secure. Notice lastly in verse nine, it says we are cast down, but we're not destroyed. We're cast down, it means to be thrown down to the ground, but we're not destroyed. That word destroyed, it means to be perished. <laughs> it means you're finished. It means it's over, it's done. And Paul said we may be knocked down but we're not knocked out. And you know, I think that's probably why Proverbs 24 reminds us that a just man falleth 
seven times. But what does he do? He gets back up. And maybe you're here and maybe 2020 knocked you down. And maybe you got back up and it knocked you down again. And maybe you got back up and you got knocked down again. Can I tell you, you may be knocked down, but you're not knocked out. I think of the sport of boxing. I've never boxed other than just messing around and playing with my brother. We had some boxing gloves at home. And uh, I used to love to wrestle my brother, uh, Joel. I used to love to box him uh, until I went off to college and he decided he was going to begin taking martial arts. And uh, I came back in the first year, it was still okay. The second year, it was not very good. And after that, I said, no more wrestling, you know. I may not be strong, but I'm not dumb, you know. And uh, we, didn't, we didn't do it anymore. And I was hoping he would forgive me for all the times I beat up on him when he was younger. But I remember uh, myself and, and uh, Joel, I remember when Jared was born. I'm, I'm 19 years older than Jared. And uh, I was in college when Jared was born. And I remember Joel, who was in martial arts, you know, with, with the sisters, he had to have somebody he could show all the different moves to and with uh, Taekwondo. And he even had some Hapkido moves and some, uh, some choke holds and some arm bars. And, and he's, he's showing Jared how to do these. Jared's like four and five years old, you know. It's probably not a good thing to teach a four or five-year-old to do, but, but he's teaching them. And and, and, and one time, Joel told Jared, he said, listen, I'm not going to hurt you. He said, and, and, and if you, you, know, you want to quit, he said, then you just, just tap out and I'll let you go. Well, he shouldn't have taught Jared that because as a four or five-year-old, Jared would see Joel coming and he would tap out before Joel ever touched him. He was like, I'm done, man, I'm out. And I think sometimes in the Christian life, I think we see that old devil coming or we see the problems or we see the pressure and, and we're tapping out. But what we don't realize is we're not in that ring alone. We're not fighting that old devil by ourselves. We have the Lord Jesus Christ who is with us. And we may get knocked down sometimes, but we're not knocked out. Notice verse 10. Where does the triumph come from? It says, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. We're not knocked out because Jesus wasn't knocked out. Jesus got back up. Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus, verse number 14, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and present us uh, with you. We see the resurrection. We see verse number 16, we faint not. We don't quit. Also verse one, we faint not. We don't quit. But we, uh, our outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. Oh boy, sometimes you get weary with the pressures of life and then you get in this book right here and it's refreshing and it, it, it gives you that charge and it gives you that energy and it, it gives you that ability just to take another step and just to keep on going and we don't faint and we don't quit because uh, we keep our eyes on Jesus and verse 17, we think about eternity. Our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Verse 18, we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You say, Pastor, how do we get triumph over a troubled life? Well, we realize that this is all temporal. Those pressures and those burdens I asked you to think about at the beginning... By and by, they're all going to be gone. 
Someday, it's all going to be over. And the only thing that will matter is what was done for eternity. Can I tell you, that'll give you motivation. That'll give you a reason to keep going. And that'll give you triumph over the burdens and the troubles of life. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.